Welcome to Let's Get Lit, the book club podcast with a twist, starring me, Brandy, and my colleague, Star. We are here for all of your needs about books. And drinks. And drinks. And opinions about drinks and books. Mm Mm-hmm. If you want a judgmental podcast about books and said by two people with vocal fray (laughs) who say like too much... Who are very sober. Have I got a podcast for you. You're listening to it. It's our podcast. What's it called? Let's Get Lit, the book club podcast (laughs) with a I mean, we really nailed that intro, I have to say. <laughs> like, dun, I felt like dun, once dun, I got dun. the beginning, I just had to keep rolling You're like, with it. I nailed it. I've never nailed this before, so I'm not going to give up now. This is what happens when you pre-game for your podcast. And scene. So we read the book. Which book was that? Girl, wash your face. Scrub your mug. Exfoliate your cape. Alcohol is a hell of a drug. (laughs) Um, So that's not all incorrect. Um, Girl, wash your face by Rachel Hollis. There you go. Nailed it. And what are we drinking? Are we drinking what you would wash your face with? Or I mean, if you wash your face with vodka, then yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? Is that not the right way to do it? That's one way to kill face bacteria. It is. It's one way. But I don't feel like you should wash your face with vodka and cranberry. I feel like you just shouldn't wash your face and you can stop right there. And that would be my self-help book for all of the people. But this bitch had different opinions. (laughs) So before we dive into this masterpiece. Masterpiece. um, That's a word. This week we're drinking vodka crayons with a little with a little uh, lime wedge, as you do when you're young and dumb and you like drinks that taste good and don't give you UTIs. I was just gonna say, typically, like I, if I was watching someone drink this at a bar, I would think, "You go, girl. You just had a great night." But like. There's no reason for me to be drinking cranberry juice right now other than I read this book and I just feel like I am infected on the inside and need to expel all of that. I haven't had a vodka cranberry in a really long time and I'm not going to lie, it's not a terrible cocktail. However, It works for a reason. It's like the drink that a dumb person drinks because they've made dumb decisions and they're like, I'm going to do better for myself and that reminded me of this book so i thought that that's what we should drink yeah i will say like back in the day when it's like oh you have any a uti and you're not supposed to be drinking alcohol and you're like or a vodka crayon and then you're fine or it's like a preventative like i feel like i might make bad decisions tonight never had a uti so you don't know but vodka cranberries don't do shit for anybody so take note i did not say when i had one i said when you like you know, hypothetical you all. So yeah. I have never had a UTI and I can tell you that's because like no matter how blacked out I am, like I mean, guys, TMI, I'm just gonna tell it like it is. <laughs> like I've had sex in like weird places where I'm like, I'm still gonna pee right now, even if it's in front of the person I just had sex with, because I shan't risk a UTI. And that's like really all it takes is peeing immediately after now we need to know more yeah well i'm like even if you have to give your partner a golden shower no to keep from getting a uti yourself that's the right move 
And I'm telling you, I don't Please know. Wait. Everybody is different, but like the only thing I have ever done right is pee immediately after I have sex, no matter the situation. And I've never had one. So there you go. Life lessons from Star. I don't have to write this book. I've had I've figured it all out for myself. <laughs> I thought it should be your self help book. How yeah. not to get a UTI. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're welcome. What advice do you have to give the people? Mine's valid. Mine is tried, tested, and true. I don't have any advice that's quite that good. Other yeah, you've than like, had a lot of UTIs. I've had you? a lot of UTIs, and I feel like it's just my anatomy. I don't blame my own behavior for that. So you would say, do you urinate immediately after sex every single time without fail? No, not consistently. There However, go. I have not found a correlation to when I do and when I don't, and when mm-hmm. I get UTIs and when I don't. Because okay. there's a gazillion times when I don't that I haven't gotten a UTI. And sometimes when I do, I still get a UTI. And I think it's it's the anatomy of the other person that's the problem. I think showering pre-sex probably helps. I think it helps. But I also just... To me, it's just common sense. Like, if you're peeing afterwards, you're expelling all of that bacteria. And I will say, like... There are times where I'm like, I don't know about that person. I don't know that I could ever urinate hard enough to expel them from my body. And, like, I usually immediately shower after that. Like, no matter where I am. I have life advice for everyone. Mm-hmm. Get up a day. Because let me just tell you, post-loving, it is, like, the most cleansing feeling. And when I say post-loving, you don't even have to like the person. It's still cleansing <laughs> for you. Post-love acting in Close, any way. Yeah, post coital action. Wash your vag. <laughs> that is the book that Star and Brandy would write. But oh this God. one is wash your face. So like, stick your face in the bidet Wait. and live your best life. We're gonna write a book and it's called Girl, Wash Your Vag. <laughs> Honestly, yes. And it could just be like stories of our worst and Can best sex moments. It'd just be like us standing over like a like exploding fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean versus like this person is on the cover of this book. If you guys don't have it in front of you, it's just like a leaky fire hydrant that's just kind of like splashing her in the face and... Ugh. But fire hydrants don't work like that. They blast no, you in yeah. the face. It's like... That's why they say like drinking from the fire hose, right? Because yeah. you are getting more water than you can handle. An aggressive facial. Like there's so many other ways to show washing your face. Anyway, obviously I feel like you can tell if you've listened to the podcast so far in this episode. It didn't work for me. Yeah. I'm still a cynical bitch. To be fair, I, I sh- never thought that you wouldn't be a cynical bitch. Like if we ever read a book and then you come out of it being like, oh my god, not a cynical bitch, I'd be shocked and I would just assume there had been some kind of clockwork orange situation at play. But like, man, this woman did not have the level of credibility you needed to like convert you to anything or anyone to anything. It was, a lot of the advice was kind of like self-explanatory and duh. And just... Anything that she said that was valid, like, basically this is how I felt about it. There were some things that I just patently disagreed with, and we can get into it, but there were other things that I was like, I feel the same way, and I feel like you're giving good strategies for how to deal with, how one could deal with this, but it's like when someone has the same political beliefs as you, and you're like, you're so annoying. Yeah. And so, like... 
have not researched this and I don't want you on my side because like the point you're making is valid but the way that you're making it is so silly that I don't want to be in the same category as you. Yes. That's like at the best of times where I was like, yes, what you're saying, yes, how you get there, but like your explanation of why is just so not the way I would describe it. So I almost was like less offended when she said something I disagreed with because I was like, finally, I respect you not at all. What did you think? Great back. Great back. Um, I would just like to say that I just generally dislike people like this. And so it was really hard. Like what? What was it about people her? People who are... She seemed, like, really fake in her, like, support of other women in a yes. way that I could not get behind at all. And I was just like, this is ingenuine. And what this is is you playing the role of, like an acceptable feminist and it made me really angry and I think that's probably the nicest way that I can put it but she didn't acknowledge so she's a white woman and she did not acknowledge her like privilege as a white woman in any context throughout the entire book and I found that like very upsetting because I just feel like we've kind of come past a point as a society where you like I think it's well and good that everyone should talk about their life and their life challenges and like what they've learned and what can make them better and whatnot. But I think a huge part of that is acknowledging any sort of privilege that you have. And there's literally no one that doesn't have any sort of privilege and you need to look at everything through a certain lens, you know? So I disagree with you because I think there's two points in which she talks about privilege. One of which being a part of the book where she's like, so I acknowledge like there's other points of view and I can't possibly relate to them. And Therefore, my family joined a church that was, like, multi-ethnic and, like, we had been going to this church that was, like, very wealthy and we decided, like, basically we've got to go somewhere where they have a tougher time of things so that our kids can be more diverse. And I shit you not, part of the book, she's like, I have a friend who is gay and black and, like, three other things that people say when they're like, I have a black friend, I have a gay friend, I have this friend, I have that friend. And proceeds to talk about the fact that she's like, when I say things that are ignorant or ask questions, my friend's like, no, I like that you said that. And I'm glad that you asked because, like, it bothers me more when people just make assumptions and don't question these things. And to some extent, like, sure, you should always ask versus making assumptions. But, like, I just thought that more than anything, I'm like, to say, like, I know I have privilege, but guys I hang out with other people and I have friends who are this that and the other group it was like this is more offensive than if you had just not acknowledged it at all and the other area in which she acknowledges these things is basically to say like people try to blame their life circumstance or things like they had a hard life whatever it is and she talks about like you guys I had trauma and shit happened to me too and I don't use it as an excuse where she basically talks about like privilege as not a benefit but like if you are using the lack of privilege as an excuse that's what's holding you back and I'm like sure there is something to like not everyone has an equal shake of things in life and like 
to expect that everyone's going to be at the same starting line is just not realistic. So you might have to make up for lost time just because life's fucking unfair and it is the way it is. Mm -hmm. But to act as if, like, it's just your attitude and if you have the right attitude, anything can happen is such a place of privilege and just so ignorant and stupid. And I was like, I can't with you. And by the way, having had, like something sad happened in your life doesn't count as fucking trauma. (laughs) Like, sorry, but who hasn't? Yeah. That's not good enough. I think that's a fair point. She does kind of acknowledge it, but she acknowledges it in In a a way way that's like, I didn't make it an excuse, so you shouldn't either. Yeah, and I mean, also, it's just so typical of white people generally but it's also this like strange breed of white women particularly where they come in and they're like it's like this like white savior complex where you like can't you you feel like you can't acknowledge your own struggles if you acknowledge your own privilege as well and I don't think I think that's a completely a false dichotomy I think that you can have disadvantages and have privileges simultaneously and like the only way to rise above it is to acknowledge like your privilege Mm -hmm. and your and the places where you've been discriminated against or whatever like that and also she has a whole chapter about adoption that made me want to smash my head against a fucking wall it was so ignorant and so aggravating and I mean I guess partly because for a large part of my life, I wanted to adopt children too. And I'm still not against the idea of adopting children. But the more that I've learned about it, the more that I've learned that this is mostly a system that like panders to like white guilt or like the white people's need to feel like they're like helping. Mm -hmm. And so they go to these other countries and adopt babies and they're like, I've saved the baby. And like part of the reason they don't, they want to go and adopt children from other countries is because they like she said, feel like, oh, then there won't be any interference from the birth parent. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, if she, I think she, she didn't say this specifically, but she basically said like, well, if you're an ocean away, like how are they even going to find you? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what a horrible thing to say. Like, that's a horrible thing to like want to do for your child that like so many people who are adopted, like they would like to know something about their birth parents, if not to at least have like a semblance of a relationship with them. And if you want to adopt a child, that's like part of the package. To like cut them off from their... Yeah, it's just, it's cruel. And especially if you're not only like cutting them off from their birth parents, but cutting them across, cutting them, cutting them off from their culture, from their like continent, from like... Especially when you're not in a position to like mirror that, right? Like that's always something where I feel like at the end of the day, everyone has different opinions about this, but, like, I feel like a child is better cared for in a loving home than they are in a home where someone looks like them, acts like them, and is coming from the same background. Like, it's more important that someone has the resources they need to survive. However, best case scenario, they also are being raised by someone who is like in touch with the background they come from so that Mm -hmm. they can raise them in a way that they don't feel like an outsider. Yeah. And so like, obviously not every parent is going to be able to offer that to a child, but at least to be interested in providing that option to them Mm -hmm. versus like, 
I just want you to be my kid and I don't want you to feel connected to your culture or where you came from. It's very fucking selfish. It is selfish. And I mean, I think it's like, it's less important that, you know, I mean, I think a loving home is, is like all you can ask for is like a loving home that has the resources to take care of a child. Right. Mm -hmm. However, like children are almost always better off with their birth parents. Like, psychologically they're better off even if they're even poor. if their parents are poor like, that's better than being raised by rich people who have nothing in common with you. yeah and but i think like the problem is is that a lot of times people adopt children and then have like it's like signed and sealed like you cannot contact your birth parent or the child anyway the whole thing i just thought was just bullshit and like super super ignorant and she went through this whole thing of like we felt like it was, like, the Lord's calling for us to go to Ethiopia and try to yeah. adopt a child. And the reason that... She didn't talk about this at all, but the reason that Ethiopia, like, stopped letting parents from America adopt children is because they found out that it was just, like, this complete fucking scam. And, like, all these kids were being basically, like, kidnapped and then given to children... Or given to, like, the U.S. and... The, like these parents weren't actually taking advantage of them. There was also some weird trade conflicts going on. That yeah. was part of it. But but the way it's described here is very like, oh my God, just suddenly and without yeah. explanation, they wouldn't let us go through this. I do think like there is something valid to like how fucking difficult it is to adopt a mm-hmm. child. Like, and I mean, it gets into like, in some ways, I don't know how honest they are, but obviously, like, they went through hell in their attempts to adopt a child. But, yeah. like, that is unfortunate and is something to, like, I'll say, like, I'm someone that's never wanted a child. But I always, at one point, was like, well, maybe one day I would adopt. And then yeah. when I realistically looked into what that would entail, I was like, yeah, I mean, no thanks. Like, that's a lot of fucking work, no matter how you, yeah. like, slice and dice it. But... I don't know. Their whole just the way they approached that, like that was definitely a difficult situation and I don't kind of envy what they went through and I hope they were doing it for the right reasons, but I just feel like the way she approaches all of these things it was for me just not relatable and you know, you could have read any of these messages through a different lens and I might have found it something that I felt like resonated with me, but yeah. just like, even, like, she has this chapter in here that's all about, like, not making things about you, basically, where it's like, hey, I've run, like, the whole chapter, she's like, I've run so many marathons. Oh, my God. She would not <laughs> stop talking about all of the marathons so she ran. Marathons she ran, and at one point, her friends wanted to do it, and she was like, cool, I'm going to do it with them, and then she was like, you know what? I've got so much good stuff going on in my life. I'm just going to go and watch them. And then the whole chapter is, like, everything that she experienced because she went up to, like, support them. And rather than participating, like, what she got out of being their cheerleader. And it was all about her anyway. It was all about her anyways. And it was just, like, even though my friends who ran, like, you know, 12-minute miles when I run 11-minute miles, like, even though that seems really unimpressive, like... To see someone who had been such a sedentary piece of shit get off the couch was truly inspiring. And I'm like, 
you're just the goddamn worst. The worst. But like stuff like that where I'm like, this is just someone who lacks self-awareness. Completely. And anytime she tries to have it, I'm like, you're just digging yourself in deeper. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what? Like, if this resonates with people in a way where they're like, hey, this makes me like look at things a way I wouldn't have considered and I can relate to it, great. For me, like... Anytime I found myself relating to anything she said, it made me look in a mirror and be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Because I cannot stand this person. And that's unfortunate. And I will also say, as I was reading the book, I kept trying to remind myself, like, why am I being so judgmental? Like, I should be able to be like, this person just has different opinions than me and they're really doing their best to uplift other women and... You know, the whole point of the book seems to be like, hey, we all feel insecure and, like, we're not good enough. And, like, let's stop judging each other and let's just do our fucking best. But she says that on one hand and then she just, like, whips you for not being perfect and not, like, sucking it up and being better. Which is not fucking helpful. And so it's this almost, like self-flagellating belief where it's like it's okay that you're not perfect but you know you're not perfect because it's your fucking fault right okay cool she is like the self-help version of an abusive boyfriend totally who's like speaking of you would be so pretty if you just like Mm -hmm. lost 15 pounds like i love you so much but like you're dumb. Exactly. And like if you were smarter, I would love you more. And you're just like but, and you could be those things. Like yeah, you could be but better. You're not. But you're not. It, well it's even horrifying. She has like a chapter in the book Wait, that's like before we get to that chapter, you can I read which chapter are we gonna talk about? Boyfriend chapter? Okay, I felt ahead. like you were going to do a boyfriend chapter. 100%. I want to read a, a like, passage from okay. this book that I'm going to try to read without fucking up. And it's a little bit long, but I feel like it sets it. the entire tone for this book. And if you don't know this, then it's hard to understand what we're talking about here. This starts on chapter, or on page 12, by the way. So this is not, like, <laughs> deep into the book. <clears throat> a few months ago... I was out to dinner with my closest girlfriends. It was an impromptu happy hour that turned into an impromptu dinner that ended up going later than any of us anticipated. I got home after the kids were in bed and Dave was already deep into a game of major league ball or hard hitting league or whatever the name is of that baseball game he's played nightly for the past two years of our marriage without making any real progress that I'm aware of. So I gave him a smooch and chatted with him about his day, and then I went downstairs to the basement where our old treadmill is hidden and ran a few miles. I put the evidence of that workout on Snapchat, and later my girlfriend saw it and sent me a text. You worked out after dinner? What in the world? I wrote back, yes, because I planned on doing it and I didn't want to cancel. Couldn't you just postpone until tomorrow? She was genuinely perplexed. No. I made a promise to myself, and I don't break those. Not ever. Ugh, she typed back. I'm the first person I break a promise to. And girl, she is not the only one. I used to do that all the time until I realized how hard I was fighting to keep my word to other people while quickly canceling on myself. I'll work out tomorrow because I'm not working out anytime soon. Because honestly, if you cared about that commitment, you'd do it when you said you would. What if you had a friend who constantly flaked on you? What if every other time you made plans, she decided not to show up? What if she gave lame excuses like, I really want to see you, but this TV I'm, this TV show I'm watching is just too good. I mean, 
I understand. I, I want to know what TV yeah. show you're watching. Continuing. Or what if a friend from work was constantly starting something new? Every three Mondays, she announced a new diet or a goal, and then two weeks later, it just ended. What if you called her on it? Like, hey, Pam, I thought you were doing Whole30. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Meanwhile, Pam is sitting in the break room eating a meat lover's pizza <laughs> and telling her telling you that she was doing Whole30, and even though it made her feel great, two weeks into the program, her son had a birthday party, and she couldn't resist the cake, and then just figured, there's no point. <laughs> now, she's gained back the pounds, plus few extra. Y'all, would you even respect her? <laughs> this woman who starts and stops all over again? Would you even count on Pam as a friend who keeps blowing you off for stupid reasons? <laughs> Would you, or meat lovers would you trust them when they committed to something? Would you believe them when they committed to you? No. No way. Like, fuck you. Pam can eat a meat lover's pizza fuck if she you. fucking wants yeah, to eat a meat lover's say, pizza. Like, that, I'd be like, Pam is my fucking people where she's like, you know what, I'm doing my best. And then life fucking happened and I was like... If a meat lover's pizza is looking me in the face, am I going to say no? I might die tomorrow. I'd be like, Pam, good for fucking you. Yeah. You did Whole30 for two weeks. Like, you made a fucking effort. When are we drinking? And, like, the whole thing is, this is a fucking analogy. And her analogy is to be a bitch. Yeah. And, like, would you even trust this person who wasn't perfect? Would you trust this person who was like, I'm going on a diet. Oops, I ate pizza. Like... (laughs) Then you can trust no one because right. literally everyone has done that. Like, yeah. I just, I just feel like this frames the entire book so perfectly yeah. that she's like, "Don't judge anyone, but if someone eats pizza when they're supposed to not eat pizza, don't trust them." Yeah, like it's like you're like who, no, you're a bad friend. You're a bad friend and a bad person because anyone who like actually felt for their friend or cared about them, like. If I knew that Pam really wanted to go on this diet, she was really trying really hard, Mm -hmm. and, like, she ate pizza, I'd be like, oh, Pam, like, why don't we go out for lunch tomorrow and we can get salads? Yeah. Like... Well, but it's something where you're, like, there's also just this all-or-nothing mentality of, like, oh, my God, Pam fucked it all up, and now she can't be trusted. So you could be like, oh, like, Pam's been, like, really trying hard, and, like... You can say, like, fell off the wagon or, like, slipped up a little bit rather than being, like, this person is just an epic failure. Like you said, like, hey, how can I help you get back on the right track in a way that's, like, you've been doing great for two weeks. Like, one pizza, like, you see a meat lover's pizza every day, Pam. Like, this is great for you. I know. And (laughs) as I read this, I would now like to segue into the fact that she only holds women to this standard. Now go. Interesting point. I think that that's totally true. And it's funny because I feel like I really thought going into this, it was going to talk a little bit more about how women are expected to have it all. And like, that's not expected of men, but in actuality, it's just like, guys, guys being girls, we are so hard on ourselves and like everyone needs to give each other more of a break. And she'll talk about why we shall be less judgmental while judging absolutely everyone, mm-hmm. including herself, of like, this is how I used to judge me and this is why I was so wrong and now I do squats and I'm perfect. Yeah. I feel like that's the part of this that I had a really hard time digesting because I'm like, I will fully admit, like, I can be judgy as fuck, 
I mean, I'm, obviously, listen to us talk about. I know, this, but, but I'm I'm judgy as fuck when it comes to people being assholes. Yeah, like I'm like you do whatever you want to do with your own life, live your own life the way you want to. Like go do you. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you want to go to church every fucking day and like make fucking Bible snowflakes. I don't care if you want to like twerk your butt on the late night show. I don't care. <laughs> whatever you want to do, as long as you're not being like a dick to other people and making other people feel bad, then, mm-hmm. like, do whatever you want to do. But, like, she is, like, saying all of this stuff is helpful, but, like, all it did was make me feel bad, and I feel like it just makes other people feel bad, and I'm like, this isn't nice. You're not nice. Well, I'm glad that you said that because that was something where, I'm like, any of these things, I would hope, like, any self-help book you're reading makes you feel like you have a clearer sense of, like, these are my goals, mm-hmm. these are the things that are standing in my way, And this is how I get closer to that. And I felt like this book more so was, like, let me tell you what goals are valid and which ones aren't. And, like, this is what held me back. And, like, sure, you're talking about your own experience, so potentially your goals are super different. But, like, even just the examples she would use to, like, extrapolate to these different perspectives were just so off base to me and like let's talk about the fucking relationship chapter oh, we're like I, can't wait. I mean for a brief second I was like oh it's this relatable chapter where she's going through and saying like hey guys I was in a terrible relationship where someone treated me like shit and like I put up with it because I was young and naive and dumb and I'm like sure 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 who hasn't been there and then you live you learn you move on and she's going through and first of all like Nothing that happened was that dramatic. It was just kind of like, we were kind of like hooking up. And this guy was like really neglecting me. Was really kind of a dick. Just like, not the Normal dick dude stuff. Normal dick dude stuff. And like, you're basically like not asking someone to treat you better. So he's not treating you better. All of this shit. And then at a certain point, he's like, you know what? Let's just be friends. But I still want to call you and obviously have you be available whenever I need you. And she has this moment of empowerment like... No, you shan't treat me this way and I'm done with you. Turns her phone off, goes to sleep, wakes up and he's banging on the door, begging for her forgiveness. In like the middle of the night. Yeah. And they end up getting married because toxic relationships work out. (sighs) If only you put your foot down one time, ladies. I can't. I mean, and then, like, for the tail end of the chapter, she's like, I'm not saying that toxic relationships work out, but, like, maybe. It did for me. Yeah, she's like, but if you have self-respect. And that was something that was annoying, too, where she ends up making the lesson of that chapter. Like, if I had just demanded I be treated with respect the whole time, he would have treated me differently. Like, I was actually the problem of, like, not expecting more from him. And the second I was like, this isn't good enough, he stepped up. Like, not her words, but that was the implication that I extracted from it. Which was like, so some people are just fucking dicks. And 100%, like, I think that Eleanor Roosevelt quote is accurate. Like, no one is able to, like, treat you with, like, a level of respect if you don't demand it, right? Like... No one can disrespect you without your consent. Yeah. However, people can be fucking shitty. Yeah. And, like, to put that on you for trying to, like, be a nice person and give someone the benefit of the doubt is not fucking fair. Like, we all, we live, we learn, we become jaded, and then we're like, no one shall disrespect me ever again. 
but also no one will ever get the opportunity because I will disrespect them first. Like, it was just, like, a very bizarre way of looking at things, and then you ended up with this person. Cool. Well, also, I mean, like, I think it's easy to give relationship advice based on the relationships that you have had. Sure. And if you've only had one, then, like, all you got is, like, one perspective. Meanwhile, if you are you know, in your 30s and you've dated 45,000 people, then you can be like, let me tell you about all of the the varieties of shitty that a guy can be. I'm like, depending. Like, for you, you could be like, and then I found a good one. For me, I could be like, there's so many varieties of shitty. I haven't found a non-shitty one yet, except on a temporary basis. But I mean, I think that, like... The amount of shitty guys that exist is probably relative to the amount of, like, shitty humans that exist generally, which is most of them. Well, I also, I mean... You just have to find your own brand of shitty. Your own brand of shitty. Like, the shitty that works for you. Totally. Wash your vag, find your (laughs) shitty. There you go. Keep them separate. That's the key to success. That's why we're drinking vodka crayons, keeping that E. coli out of our vag. Um, yeah, totally. That's the point of this book, as far as I'm concerned. I think she even talks about that at one point. Like, she's so naive, and no one even told her to pee after sex, so how would she ever know? Yeah, the internet. I guess. Or, like, friends. I mean, I'm just curious, like, well, you know. She also does a lot of the humble brags, which I just I know. In I mean, concept. It's, it's mostly humble brag. The, the whole thing is a humble brag. So remember in, when she was talking about her relationship and she was talking about how she dropped out of school and like had some amazing job, but like never mentioned exactly what that job is. She was just like, everyone was like, you must be older to have this job. Wow. Yeah. And she was like, he thought I was older because I had a job like this job. And I'm, I'm so like, fancy. I think she was like a party planner yeah. in the entertainment industry or something. I don't know. I kind of tuned everything she set out, to be honest with you. I think she was a party planner, but I'm like, you know, it's, you well, plan a party. So let me also say, like, there were parts of the book where I was like, holy shit, like, we're about to relate real hard. So one of them, she talks about how she gave up Diet Coke. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm into it. Let's talk about it. And she still managed to make that condescending, even talking yeah, about how she's like a Diet Coke head. And I was like, I'm a Diet Coke head too. Um, but basically she's like, I just decided, let me just give it up for a month and then we'll see. And after a month, she's like, you know what? I never fucking wanted it again. And I was like, you fucking bitch. I haven't had a Diet Coke in like over three years and I want it every single day. And when I finally gave in and decided I'm going to have one again, I tasted it. And it tasted awful because I had lost the taste for it, but I hadn't lost the desire and like the deep love and addiction for it. So now I am just dead on the inside. And you are just going to cavalierly talk about the Diet Coke you've, you know, cast aside as if it had served no purpose in your life. And like, this was your real relationship. Diet Coke never did you as dirty as your fucking husband did. I know. And it's like, it's, it's hard because it's like, you don't want to judge. It's emotional for me. Well, you don't want to judge someone by their partner because we all have dated dicks. Yeah. If people judged me by like my given partner at any given time, woof is all I will say. Yeah, (laughs) guidette. Yeah. (laughs) Say no more. Shut Um, the fuck up. I won't 
But I will just say that I, I was hesitant to be so mean about this because there's a chapter in her book where it's called I'm a Terrible Writer, mm-hmm. where she basically had some rejections and people were like, you're too sweet. Like, this is too sweet. Like, you're too endearing and positive. Yeah, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. And, and she, like, had... Mental breakdown and was of, like, like the negative reviews. Yeah, when she had a single negative review, she was like, "I can't handle it," and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I I get it. Like, I would also have a hard time with someone criticizing my work because I don't take criticism well." But when she said she doesn't read her reviews anymore, I was like, "Oh, good. Podcast is now a safe space again, and I can <laughs> fully say what I need to say." So, like, if you know her or anything about her, don't tell her we said all this. I don't want to make her feel bad. I can't believe you just called the podcast a safe space after. Giving me so much shit for it, but sure. Well, because you said it so many times, I feel like it's you been finally 50 feel like episodes. it's safe for you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome for making this a safe space for you, Brandy. It was just our intro God. episode where you said it a lot. I did because I felt so safe and secure. Little did I know you were counting the number of times I said it. I will just say though that, like, as she got through this book and she started talking about how she became a writer and how she kept getting like denied by publishers because she wasn't willing to add sexy scenes to her book and then she self-published and now she's a new york times best-selling author hundreds of thousands of people bought the book that publishers would not publish i have a few things to say about that sam i agree with the publishers (laughs) well obviously a lot of people disagreed with you guys have no faith in america (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i feel like the one piece of inspiration that I got from this book is if this if she human equivalent of a lightly salted rice cake can, like, <laughs> make it to the top. Sodium free. Then, honestly, we can do it. Yeah. If she can do it, we, everyone in this book club, can do it for sure. Can I also... She fucking compared success to a sugar-free, light, skinny vanilla latte. Yep. And I was she just... She I was there. Oh, my God. It was rough. How? How, though? How? Why? Poor Kay. All of the things. It's pretty brutal. I will say, like, I agree with you. To some extent, I feel like my takeaway of the book was nothing that she listed in the chapter, more so just, like... If you have, like, the confidence, and by confidence, I mean a lot of that is just, like, the delusion to ignore your critics and just do what you want to do. Yeah. You could stumble upon gold. And, like, if you are interested in something or you think something's cool, whether or not people that are smarter than you or better than you at things agree, there's probably an audience for whatever you're interested in, unless you're truly, like, a unique butterfly and you are just, like... In your own element of liking something. So, like, in that respect, like, sure, pursue what you like, stick to your guns, and do what you think is best, because, like, I'm sure there's a fucking audience for it. However, like, she's just... She's just not someone that I relate to, and I would love to read, like, all of these different topics that she has. Someone that I felt like 
had a voice that was more recognizable to me would have been interesting to read it from that perspective. The only part of this book where I was like, thank you, I'm intrigued, was when she talks about having Bell's palsy. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, vertigo from, like, all the stress in her life because she's such a workaholic that, like, she started to experience Bell's palsy, which is one of my many hypochondria fears of that happening and hearing that one of the triggers is just stress is so fucking stressful to me that I can feel half of my face. Your face is going slack starting as you speak. To droop and it's so stressful and like the room's spinning. I have vertigo, all of the things and like honestly she didn't tell me how to avoid any of this stuff. She was just like you guys it was really embarrassing. And also by the way this horrible boyfriend husband of hers she was like, oh, and by the way, he dumped me at this point in my life when I had Bell's palsy and half my face was frozen. Not his best moment. Ha ha ha. Don't worry. We got back together. And I'm like, I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm like, are we going to talk about this, you know, horrible relationship? Nope. We're happy with it. I feel like she does all this like, Amity got married and it's fine. And, and I'm like, like, that's don't not ask how any more questions. marriage works. Yeah, like if I you're going to air your dirty laundry, you have to expect somebody to be like, why are there fucking shit stains on your panties? Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what your significant other is for. He's a shit stain on your panties. I mean, I just, I don't know. I was hoping, like, when we read the title of it, like, Girl, Wash Your Face, I was hoping it was going to be a little bit more, like, self-effacing, where yeah. you're like, oh, my God, these are all the dumb things I've done. Let's laugh at them together and learn from them together. Yeah. And her way of learning is not, like... Look at all the ways I fucked up. It's very like humble brag. Like you yeah, said, like totally. Oh my god, I'm not perfect either. Just because you see me Being as a size perfect. two, looking perfect at an Oscar party with my husband, and my beautiful children, making all this money and serving my kids healthy healthy meals and just living my best life. I struggled too, you guys. I peed a little when I jumped on the trampoline. Oh my god, lol. I know how embarrassing. Yeah, she's like, <sighs> I have a human body. And it eats and poops. Oh, my God. I bet you guys didn't think that because you just see how pretty I am. I just can't. I really disliked this <laughs> author. And I hate that I'm sitting here just bitching and judging her. But this also might it's have a not, bummer that this was our first self-help book. It might have not been the best forum to read her writing. Because, what would be the right form? Well, I feel like I follow a lot of lifestyle bloggers, and I just, like, appreciate them for the vapid, like, like scarf tips they have. And I'm like, great scarf tips. And I think eventually you get... Great scarf tips. You get, like, so interested in their lives, like, as mundane as they are, that you start to feel like you, like, know them, and so you want to, like, read the dumb shit that they write, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't pertain to anything in your life, and it actually is not interesting in the slightest. You're like, I want to know more. It's like... You, it's an <clears throat> influencer who has influenced you to the point where you're like, I think I care about this dumb shit. Yeah, but I think it has the same kind of um, entertainment value as, like, watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians or, like, Real Housewives or something like that, where you're like, I'm invested in you as a person... For no reason other than, like, I somehow got interested in the first place and now I can't stop paying attention to you. And so I think that if I were reading her stuff on a blog or, like, had I known about her ahead of time, I would have maybe taken this with, like, a grain of salt and, like, come at it from a point of view of, like, I like you 
And I might've liked this book better if I had liked her initially. And I think that if you, she has a huge following. She has a huge following of people. And I think that that probably is her like key to success is to like ingratiate herself into the lives of all these other people. And then she writes this book and people are like, it's insight into how you think. And like that I like about it, but as a standalone self-help book, it's worthless to me. I just think like, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'll have to go look at her blogs. This is not someone that would ever resonate for me. Mm. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there, like, even thinking about influencers. Like, I'm not someone that follows these people that closely. But every now and then, someone that you're like, I think they're funny. I think they're smart. I like the way they dress. Whatever it is. And then, like you said, you get more invested with them. Like, this is not someone I would ever attach myself to. Likewise. So... It's not to say, like, everything she talks about is garbage and worthless, but, like, I feel like her opinions are really problematic and they actually make things more... Like, you said, reading this didn't make me feel, like, empowered or uplifted or, like, there's solidarity. Other people feel the way I feel. It was, like, a lot of people feel this way and it's because you're fat, lazy losers (laughs) who don't want to be happy with your life and you should probably... Have not had sex before you got married. Yeah, go find like, a I husband. I didn't either, but I lucked out, and he came back and married me. So like, I've still only had sex with the same guy. You guys are whores. Um, that was my takeaway from the book. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was it was self-aggrandizing, and it was also really paternalistic. Mm-hmm. And I think that she was probably trying to like make a case for her own morality, and the way that she was doing that, and was like to, account like, for. What she considers her mistakes. Yeah. By being like, but now I am this perfect person, but also I'm so relatable, you guys. I'm just like you. I pee a little when I hang with my kids. I think I think there's an audience for this, though. I think that there's probably a lot of people who are, they view the world in a way that's really different than the way that I view the world, but I, I don't envy them. Yeah. I'm I don't want to live in, like, I feel like the... This book would have resonated with me at, like, 16 or 17 years old, where I was like, what's life? You know? <laughs> what's and love got to do? What well, got to do with it? I think, I think if you come at this from a point of naivety and you don't actually know anything about how the world works, then you're probably like, what an interesting point of view from the person who's experienced so little of the world, but, like, you seem so wise in comparison to me, mm-hmm. into that. Sure. But, like, if you've ever actually put yourself out there or made, like, egregious mistakes it's really hard to relate to this because you're like oh oh really (laughs) like you didn't want to have sex because you were not enjoying it and you were like I don't want to do this anymore and then suddenly you're like I would like to enjoy sex and now I enjoy sex I'm like cool great story yeah Yeah. (laughs) like excellent excellent work well I'm like I feel like the ultimate question what is your Writing of this book. Like a Out of ten. Who? Or a three. Yeah. I'm trying it wasn't to... the worst thing I've ever read, but yeah. I wouldn't... It certainly, if my... it certainly gave us a lot to talk about. That's true. But if it was a, a ice... If it was an ice age apocalypse and I had to start lighting things on fire in order to stay warm... You'd start with this? I would literally burn this before toilet paper. That's fair. I was just going to say, I still think I hated Witches of Eastwick more than this book. I can't remember what I rated Witches of Eastwick, but whatever I rated that, I'm going to rate this 
half of a star more than it <laughs> because I hated that book a little bit more. And that's the nicest thing I can say about Girl, Wash Your Face. I hated Witches of Eastwick more. I want to, like, spitefully not wash my face, but I just can't do that to my face. I know. I was going to say, I'm going to not wash my face as is my life, but, like, you do you, girl. I'll do me, girl. Okay, sister. Okay, sister, girlfriend. Let's not drink alcohol and go pray and live celibate lives. Okay, just, like, real quick. She talks a lot of shit about people that, like, drink to cope with life. And I'm like, (laughs) shut up. Have you met life? It's really stressful. So. Yeah. That is the first piece of advice I choose to ignore, and cheers to that. Cheers. Cheers to that. Um, so, that's probably the end, right? Do we mm-hmm. have anything else to talk about here? Nothing nice to say, therefore, let's We filled up pretty much two hours of episodes worth of shit talking. Yeah. I feel like hopefully we have some nice things to say about the next book. Well... I need to laugh again. I need to feel... Happy. Yeah. I mean, you haven't liked a book in a while. I so. haven't liked a book in a while, and I feel really bad for me because I've been wanting to like a book for a while. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the next reader recommendation is, but I don't know. Do we want to announce it this time, or do we want to keep it a surprise for next week? No, no, no. I want to announce it. Okay, well, let's talk about a book that I feel pretty confident we're going to love because the ratings are really high. We've had multiple listeners right in suggesting this one to us so i have full faith in our book club and it is called where the crawdads sing by delia owens and it's set in north carolina in the late 60s and i don't really know anything about it other Other than than it has like 4.5 stars on goodreads so what could possibly go wrong yeah it is really highly rated on goodreads it's like almost a perfect five on barnes and noble like everyone loves this book it's the new york times bestseller it's in reese witherspoon's book club everyone everyone is obsessed with it i'm gonna listen to the audiobook hopefully it has like slightly southern accents because i'm kind of into that fair enough well i'm excited i feel like this has been on my to-read list for a while, and I, I'm i expecting good things, and I think it'll be better. Also, I'm excited to pair it with a Southern drink, and I can't put my finger on what it is. I have a I... lot of suggestions, but we can talk about it offline, and okay. you guys will be surprised next week. Next week. All right, next week. Get ready to get lit. We're not going to try to self-help you. We're just going to get into the books. Yeah, we're just going to drink and talk about crawdads, Ooh. y'all. <laughs> All right. See you guys next week. Hear, hear you guys next week. Hear you guys next week. Listen, you guys next week. Word. <laughs>